Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. Those are the first four verses of Psalm 48, which along with Psalm 47, sorry, which along with Psalm 48 are the Psalms appointed for today, Tuesday, October the 25th, 2022. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along today. Um, we are continuing our look at the book of Ecclesiasticus. I'm not going to go into that again about the, it's, it's provenance. Uh, it's, it's a book of Proverbs, however. So, um, it's not in the Bible. I guess I'll have to do it. It's not in the Bible itself. It's in what we know as the Apocrypha, which are a set of books that are that are not part of the Scriptures themselves. Most Protestants aren't familiar with these books at all. Um, they're only read in the Anglican world, the Catholic world, sometimes in the in the Lutheran world as well. Um, but they're also in the, in treated the same way in in the Hebrew Bible as well. And then uh, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 27 to 36, and in the book of the Revelation, chapter 11, verses 14 to 19. So to start with the Ecclesiasticus passage, um, wisdom will praise herself and will glory in the midst of her people. Now, wisdom is sort of the it's a personification of wisdom. Uh, it typically um, always is, is uh, given a feminine pronoun. In both the New or the Old Testament as well as this apocryphal literature, wisdom is considered uh, to be a feminine aspect of the deity himself. It's it's a very tricky thing that they will kind of look and say, well, there's there's sort of two sides to God: a masculine and a feminine side. And when I say they, I'm speaking about Jewish rabbis, and they will personify wisdom as a. Um, uh, a feminine uh, characteristic, and and so there, they recognize that there are sort of two sides to God Himself, um, without that becoming two persons. And we don't. Then it gets tricky, right? As a Trinitarian, are you or when you say persons? Um, yes, they're distinct from one another, but they're of the same substance, so it's one still. And so that they try and thread that needle by using this feminine pronoun for wisdom, just so you'll know. Wisdom will praise herself and will glory in the midst of her people. And so it's the Holy Spirit is sort of one way to recognize and think about wisdom. Um, and so it will uh, praise herself. That sounds, you know, something wrong with that, right? But no, because it is God. It's a personification of the wisdom of God, and so it's, wisdom should praise herself in the midst of the people. In the assembly of the Most High, she will open her mouth, and in the presence of his host, she will glory. I came from the mouth of the Most High and covered the earth like a mist. And so we can also see in this sort of the word of God in creation, and, and the word is Jesus. So I came forth from the mouth of the Most High and covered the earth like a mist. I dwelt in high places. This is the praise that this is the wisdom praising herself. I dwelt in high places, and my throne was in a pillar of cloud. So what do we get in the wilderness? We get a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So that's what that's talking about. I dwelt in high places, and my throne was in a pillar of cloud. Alone I have made the circle of the vault of heaven and have walked in the depths of the abyss. In other words, there's nothing I don't know because I've been in all places. 
in the waves of the sea, in the whole earth, and in every people and nation I have gotten a possession. Among these I sought a resting place. I sought in whose territory I might lodge. So where is wisdom going to rest? Where is wisdom going to remain is probably the best way to say that. Then the Creator of all things gave me a commandment, and the one who created me assigned a place for my tent. And he said, make your dwelling in Jacob, and in Israel receive your inheritance. And it was, I looked all over the earth and all over the heavens and in the seas and in the abyss to find a place that I might dwell. And then finally, the word came to me, the commandment from the Most High to say, make your dwelling in Jacob, and in Israel receive your inheritance. From eternity in the beginning, he created me, and for eternity I shall not cease to exist. So, in other words, I've always been and I always will be, but wisdom says it was created. Now, th- again, this is the Apocrypha. It's not the Bible. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, so that language there is imprecise in, in the way that we talk about Jesus being the only begotten and the, uh, that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son— I don't want to get into that mess of, of the, the double procession right now. That, that divided the Eastern and the Western churches and still does. I mean, so the Eastern Orthodox and the Roman Catholic world, because that's all there were in the 11th century. So, but anyway, so th- th- this is imprecise language. So this, the creation of wisdom it is apocryphal. <laughs> we don't derive theology from this. In the holy tabernacle, I ministered before him, and so I was established in Zion. In the beloved city, likewise, he gave me a resting place, and in Jerusalem was my dominion. So I took root in an honored people in the portion of the Lord who is their inheritance. So what you could basically say about this, and it's a beautiful passage. I mean, whatever we say about he created me, that, that's a totally different issue. We don't even have to deal with that. We can set that aside and say that's not right because he was not created he was begotten so but what it's what it what this passage is telling us though is is essentially it's the shekinah glory of god that we're talking about here it's the pillar of cloud which then rested in the temple when it was dedicated by king solomon the shekinah glory came and filled the temple in the same way it had filled the tabernacle in the wilderness at the end of the book of the exodus and so that's exactly what we're talking about. It's the Shekinah glory of God. It's the, it's the inspiration of the Holy Spirit poured out through that temple and through God's people through the Word of God. So we, we can split hairs all day on this about what it all means, but, it, but it's a beautiful passage about the wisdom of God being made accessible to the people of God via the worship of God, because the temple is a place where worship happened. So that's true today, that when we worship in spirit and in truth, then God's wisdom comes into that midst of that congregation in our worship, in our study, all those things. So it's it's the Shekinah glory of God coming and resting among his people. And now, with the giving of the Holy Spirit after the day of Pentecost, within his people. So we have a blessing that they never had. In the um, gospel today, Remember, Jesus yesterday had had driven a mute demon out of a man, and then there began to be a a dispute 
among the people there about how Jesus did this thing. Some people marveled at it. Others said, no, he does this by the finger, not by the finger of God, but by the power of Beelzebub himself, the prince of demons. And others say, yeah, well, you know what? We still like to see more signs. And so Jesus then sets them straight about all that stuff. And now here he is at the end of that. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. So it's blessing Mary. And and it's true that, that, you know, this sort of, maybe she's either a feminist or a Roman Catholic, right? So (laughs) that's a joke. That's a joke. But blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. And so it's a, it's a wonderful thing that you have come into the world. And I'm thankful for your mother for bringing you into the world. And Jesus says, but blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So it, it's no, the blessing is those who hear the word of God and keep it, which Mary did. I mean, Mary treasured the words of God. She submitted herself to the, to the word of God and to his will and did it. So Jesus is saying he's not disagreeing, and he's not saying anything bad about his mother. He's saying, no, the blessed ones are the ones who hear the word of God and keep it. It's not just hearing it. It's not just memorizing it. It's not just believing it. It's doing it. When the crowds were increasing, he began to say that this generation is an evil generation. He started to sound like John. You remember John? When people would come out to him, he would call them brood of vipers, and who warned you to flee from the wrath that was to come and all that? So he says, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, and remember that happened right before those three camps after Jesus cast out the demon, the believing camp, those that believed that he did it by the power of of a demon himself, and then those who said, well, we just like to see a sign from heaven. Well, you're never going to get a sign that you believe. Obviously, you've been given a million He said, this generation is an evil generation. Why? It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah, which is interesting, to say the least, because Jesus has given them plenty of signs along the way. They're not lacking for signs. Jesus says, no, the the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah, and and that seems to be this three days in the belly of the fish, three days in the tomb, and then comes out and and then speaks the word. So that is that the sign? It is resurrection. And we could go on and on with that. There's some other things that I could bring in here, um, but I'm going to leave those aside for today because it's still about resurrection no matter how I bring it in. So it seeks for a sign, but none will be given except for the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of the Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. So what was the sign that Jonah was to the people of Nineveh? That's, a, that's the important question in this particular regard, right? Because Jesus goes on to say it's this kind of sign. And so what is this kind of sign? And that kind of sign is essentially that he, he was a prophet against them a prophet against the people of Nineveh. This prophet from outside who comes in with the word of God that says that three days Nineveh will be overthrown. So the Son of Man will be assigned to this generation in the sense of that you need to pay attention to him, that he's not speaking for you, he's speaking against you. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. The Queen of the South being... um, the one who came during the reign of Solomon to see his wisdom and brought great gifts with her. 
So the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. So she saw, she believed what she had heard, and she came to see if what she had heard was true. And when she did, she gave gifts and marveled at wisdom, which we just read about in the previous reading from Ecclesiasticus. And then he goes on to say, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So in the first case, the queen of the south recognized the truth, recognized God in the wisdom of Solomon, that this was an unworldly, unearthly wisdom that he had, something that that wasn't, wasn't given to other men. And so she saw this and left gifts behind for him. He gave gifts to her in return. And then he says, in addition, she recognized it. The men of Nineveh repented when they heard the word. You all aren't doing that. And he said this same thing. You know, woe to you, Chorazin and Bethsaida, for if the things that had been done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago. And it'll be better for them in, in the judgment than it will be for you because you said no. You rejected the revelation that was given to you. And here he's saying the same thing. There's a revelation given to the Queen of the South. She came, checked it out, saw it, verified it, said, yep, that's where that comes from. It comes from God. The people in the previous passage from yesterday actually said the opposite. This isn't a power from God. It's a power from a demon. So they made right judgments. And here in the the men of Nineveh hear a call to repentance, and they do. And he said, this generation's not doing that. You're getting signs, you're hearing truth, but you're not receiving it, and you're not receiving it and reacting appropriately to it, and that's the reason he says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and do it. So that blessing then changes to woe and curses on these people. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, light being a candle, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body, and, and so it receives the light, and it also gives light to the rest of the body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light, but when it's bad, your body is full of darkness. In other words, you're not seeing things appropriately, and so the light isn't coming into you. There's a problem. And it fits with the get the log out of your eye thing. So then you might see to help your brother with the speck or the moat that's in his eye. And so here he's saying, your eye's not healthy. And the proof of that is your rejection of me. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. So the, the, we're not perceiving things appropriately, which is what prophets said over and over and over, that they have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear, and they have hearts and minds, but they don't understand. So they're, they're not tending the light well. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. So we're intended to be vigilant about making sure that, that we're perceiving things correctly. And how do we do that? Well, one of the best ways we do it is, or is two ways, I would say, one of the ways is we would know the truth, which is to say, I know the Word of God, to be in the Word of God. And the second thing would be to be in prayer. 
So we need to be also in fellowship with other Christians. We need to be able to discuss the Word of God with other Christians. That's the reason that in Deuteronomy, they're told that they should be talking about the Word of God all the time once they come into the land. There's always something new to learn. And so there should be an enthusiasm and excitement in you about the Word of God. And when I say that, I mean the Word of God written, but I also mean Jesus himself. And so that's the the way that we make sure our body and our eyes are full of light is we fix them on the right things in order to receive light. In the uh, epistle, the reading from Revelation, the second woe has passed. That was the, the witnesses who came and were put to death finally by the beast after three and a half years. And then the people actually gave glory to God for their resurrection and their ascension. And then the second woe is past. The third woe is soon to come. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So there's a reversal. There's the, the kingdom of the world being taken from the ruler of the world. And who is the ruler of the world? Well, it's Satan. Remember, he offered Jesus the kingdoms if Jesus would bow down and worship him. Jesus said no. You worship the Lord your God. You don't give worship to another. And so he rejected that. And so ultimately what this says now is that kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And why? It's because of the, the, the sacrificial death, the resurrection, the ascension to the right hand of the Father. And the 24 elders who sat on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. So they hear the proclamation from the loud voices in heaven that the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of God, and then their response, or the response of the 24 elders on their thrones, was to fall on their faces and worship him because that time has come for him to become ruler of all things. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the Ark of the Covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. So the judgments, the final judgments, are about to be enacted. Wisdom says, listen to him, worship him, turn to him, repent of your sins, and follow him. In other words, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it, just as Jesus said, just as wisdom has always said.